You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code PLAY for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. This episode is brought to you by Dubsado. Dubsado is a business management solution designed to cut out the busy work. With Dubsado, you are able to build relationships, schedule appointments, and create workflows to streamline your projects from start to finish. One of my favorite things about Dubsado is you're able to get more done with fewer tabs. You're able to correspond with your clients through emails, forms, contracts, and invoices, all from your own email address in one hub. You're able to create custom workflows to send emails and complete tasks that you don't have to. And they have really great integration, allowing you to easily connect your email, calendar, and payment processor to keep everything in one place. We use Dubsado at Font Your Fire for communication with our clients, automation, invoices, contracts, forms, payments, all of it. We love it. And if you are listening to this and you're interested in giving Dubsado a try, feel free to check out our show notes for the link. Or you can go to dubsado.com and enter code India. Dubsado is giving you 20% off of your first month or your first year for being a part of the Flaunt Your Fire community. Welcome back to the Flaunt Your Fire show, where we explore flaunting the fire that burns within you. I'm your host and CEO of Flaunt Your Fire, India Jackson, and today I am joined by a special guest. Kim Wenzel will be joining us today, and she is a brand storyteller, researcher, and podcast host. She's also the CEO of Pattern of Purpose, where she uses stories to make businesses more relatable and create connection with their audience. She specializes in helping leaders find the right words to explain what they do and why it matters. In a world with a template for everything, Kim focuses on immersive engagements with her clients, drawing out their voice, and highlighting what makes their brand truly unique. Based in Virginia, when she's not wordsmithing, she can be found hosting dance parties with her two young children or planning her next adult's only getaway with her husband. I really like Kim. She has an awesome personality, and we just kind of are a little bit of kindred spirits. She's also local to me in the Washington, D.C. area, sort of. She's in Virginia, but um, she has a strength that (laughs) I find to be one of my weaknesses, honestly, which is the written and the verbal piece of your brand strategy. And she just does a really great job of bringing words to things that are living within you that you just can't find the words for. And we're going to dive into this episode and talk a little bit about some things that we have in common and that are important to both of us as we work with our clients. So we're going to talk about reputation and why it matters, why one of the first steps that you take when you work with Kim and also when you work with us at Flaunt Your Fire is auditing where you are, is taking a look at what your current written messaging looks like in her case and in our case all of your brand, so your entire brand as a whole, your website, your photos, your colors, your everything, your graphics, your printed materials, like knowing where you are matters, but also knowing what your reputation is matters. And you'll hear us dive into a little bit about like researching your customers and their experience and what they think about you. 
This is so important. And I truly do believe that it is best done by a third party because when you ask your customers about their experience in a feedback survey, many times you run the risk that they are afraid of saying something that would hurt your feelings because they don't want to damage that relationship. And the things that they could say in that arena to a third party, you know, the harsh, honest, real raw feedback is necessary to have because this is where we know where we can improve on. This is also where we know what we're doing really well too, but we need to know where we're at before we start to build something new. And I think it's so important because I really look at when we work with brands at Flaunt Your Fire, evolving them, taking what your customer has to say, what your public reputation is, that many times is not the same as what we think it is, and evolving it into where we would like it to be. Because you don't necessarily want to burn everything down. That can be very jarring and harsh for you and your team to take in, but also kind of jarring for the public to see too. So it allows you that room to evolve, to integrate the things that you were told so that you can improve on them, and also integrate the great things that you were told so you can do more of them. And this is where like a brand alignment happens, right? It's taking what other people think, taking what we know is inside of us and slowly evolving what other people think into what lives within. That's where your brand feels good. That's where everything feels cohesive. Anyway, I could go on and on about this, but I want to go ahead and get the show on the road so you can hear this amazing conversation I had with Kim. Welcome back to the Font Your Fire show. Today I have the amazing Kim Wenzel of Pattern of Purpose with me. Ken, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Well, India, I am so glad that we are bringing our conversations to a larger audience because they've just been so fruitful for me in the past couple weeks, couple months. So thank you for having me here. So my official, ti- <laughs> my official <laughs> title is brand strategist and storyteller. But what does that really mean? So I work with mostly small businesses and individuals who, when you're talking about them, you might be like, oh, this person is so great. You wouldn't know from looking at their website, but trust me on this one. You know that feeling when you're referring your friends to your favorite small business or service provider, but they don't necessarily show up in all of their glory the way that you could find them online. So I really work with the leaders of these businesses to help them put their value to push it to the forefront and make it absolutely clear what it is their customers love about them so they have an easier time attracting more of the people that they want to work with. So that's in a nutshell what I do. And um, I am based in Virginia and I have two little kids that, as we were just talking about, love to spread germs. So, you know, (laughs) this conversation could go a lot of different ways, but that's basically in a nutshell who I am and what I do. Well, I am so excited to hear that you help business owners with this because I see it a lot and I can completely identify with having people in my network and in my friendship circle that I want to refer to things. And I'm like, I know they're freaking amazing and just get really great results with their clients. Maybe even I've been a client of theirs before. And yet what I'm sending people to is either non-existent, so they don't even have the website yet, um, which is okay. But then like the social media is missing something or it just isn't fully letting them shine in their light. Um, I think one of the first conversations that we ever had together, you were talking about, and I don't remember your exact language, but how sometimes business owners can reach a certain level, but their online presence or their marketing or their in-person experience hasn't caught up yet. And I think that's huge. Yeah, so I should mention that most of the people 
and businesses that I work with have reached a certain level of success. And most of that is because of the referrals from their current customers. And so they have this contingent of very happy customers. But to get past that, because we all know one-on-one referrals are great, but they can only take you so far. Mm-hmm. So to get past that, you've got to package up that experience that you provide for your clients and let it shine on a bigger stage. And it's so interesting what you just said about, I mean, really visibility, which is what you talk about. But I, I feel very strongly that your online presence does reflect the quality of your work, whether you want to believe that or not. And there, not everybody agrees with me. So the other day I put a poll on my Instagram stories and I said, the, um, someone's website, I make it a, sorry, I make an assumption about the quality of someone's work based on their website. And 81% of people said yes. And what would that be? 19% said no. But those people that said no were sure to follow up with me and, you know, explain their answer. And so even though you might say, okay, I personally don't make decisions that way, I think we can't ignore that the general population in this day and age, in 2020, makes an assumption about the quality of your business based on how you show up online. And so you really just can't ignore it. That's very interesting because I see so many business owners, um, and we've been there ourselves as, at Flaunt Your Fire, where we're prioritizing our client experience. So things like website updates, things like uh, doing longer form blog posts can kind of go by the wayside when you're in busy season because you want to make sure that the clients are taken care of first and you're putting them first. So. I think that's important to note for a lot of my listeners, especially because many of them are heart-centric and they're wanting to make a transformational experience for their clients. So they are prioritizing the clients and that's important, but you have to keep up your online presence too (laughs) because you are being judged by that. Well, yeah. And and I just want to say the customer experience is the number one thing you should be focusing on for sure. And it's easy to get wrapped up because what I've also seen as business owners get so obsessed, AKA myself (laughs) with (laughs) my own website or, you know, tweaking everything that's not healthy because that's not actually moving your business forward. But to have, I think there are a few things that you just need to make sure are up to date that you have somewhere where you can send people that clearly explains what you do and who you do it for and the value of it. So I just don't think it's enough anymore to be able to operate just based on who you are, wherever you happen to be in the world today. There has to be another way where somebody can sense that essence, that value, that opportunity without having to be right in front of you, you know, like without me and you having to be on a call, I can go to your Instagram, I can go to your website. And that reinforces the conversations that I've had about your business. I agree completely with that. I think that that creates ease on your sales process as well. You know, when what I'm seeing is validating what someone else has said about you or what I may have heard it also facilitates a little bit more trust too, because what I'm seeing is consistent. Um, For sure. One of my clients, this is one of my favorite clients ever. The best compliment he ever gave me was, you know, when I, before I hired you, I went to your website, obviously, because I've had a lot of people that they say they can help me and they can't help themselves. And so when I went to your website and I felt like it was, it was you, the same way that you are online is the same way that you are in person. I knew that I had to work with you because that's what I wanted. And that was just the best compliment I could have ever received because that's what we're all looking for in authenticity, right? That word gets thrown around so much, but what it really means is no matter where you find me, you're going to get me. Very, very true. And I think that that's even more important now 
um, as business owners who started out with online businesses are starting to get offline and have to meet people in person because the let's just be honest, the online market is a little bit oversaturated right now. And I think that we're also starting to see um, traditional businesses like your small local home inspection company and things like that get online that previously would not have. Um, and so we get into this area where like you may have one reputation on the internet and a different reputation in person. And we kind of need to get those things to be aligned with each other because <laughs> otherwise I feel like, you know, you can get some confusion. So I'm curious to know from you, like, where does reputation come into the work that you do? And do you feel like that matters? Really good question. And reputation, I like to think of it as inextric inextricably linked to first impression. And everybody knows you don't get a second chance at a first impression. And so the way that I think about reputation is overall as a brand. What do people feel and think when they come across you, no matter where they come across you, as we've talked about, right? Mm -hmm. And I see two different behaviors happening with businesses. And I love that you brought up small businesses and local businesses now bringing more of who they are online because I tend to work with quite a few of these businesses. And the important message that I always try to send home is you've got to put your first, your best foot forward. There's a company called Bright Local and they do a survey every year and it's around, it's very specific, but it's around local search behavior, uh, sorry, local search behavior and online reviews. So it's very specific, but think <laughs> like Google reviews, Yelp reviews, all of that. They just came out. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And I'll send you the link to the full report. But what I found really interesting is that over 80% of consumers are searching online for local businesses every week. And that rises to over 90% for I think 18 to 34 year olds. So even if you're a local business, and even if you have a great reputation within you know, your block or with your current customers, you've got to make sure that your brand is reinforcing that reputation. Everything from asking your customers to review you so you have that social proof, but also having an online presence that can back that up. If nothing more, just to reinforce what you've heard about this business. And a great example of that, I actually heard somebody say recently that they use Instagram much more as a portfolio so that when somebody has been to their website or has heard about them or been referred to this business, that they can just go there and scroll and that they're checking off that box that, yes, this is what I expected. So mm -hmm. I think that was a really way, interesting way of thinking about Instagram. It, it's a little short-sighted, I think, but thinking of it as a way to really, one more way to just reinforce your expertise and the message that you're sending, that you want to be sending to people that are new to you. It's interesting you say that because I feel like when Instagram first became a thing about 10 years ago, um, where it really was starting to become on the rise, especially in the photography community. And this was back when like you had to take your picture in the app. You couldn't upload something. <laughs> um, people were using it as a portfolio. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that because we've started to transition some clients that are no longer getting traction on Facebook to view their Facebook business page as basically an online billboard or portfolio to say, you know what, I see that this is the same here. There's no like terrible reviews that are like awful, um, but it's validated what I expected. I think it also takes a lot of pressure off of us as business owners to have to post all the time. 
Because when you're viewing it as a portfolio or a slice of your work versus something that you have to manically do every single day, <laughs> it makes it more enjoyable, right? Yeah, I agree completely on that. Um, and hmm, one of the things that I hear you saying is that there's reviews happening and that there's also like research happening as well within what you do. Um, would you like to dive a little bit into that? Because I have a feeling that some people listening are not getting a formal way of getting feedback from their customers. Yes, yes, yes. I love this topic. I'm a former research nerd. Um, and <laughs> I think that research and data can scare away some of us as business owners because I've heard people say, well, I'm not a big enough business to have to do any kind of customer research. I know who my customers are. I already have feedback. And so when I'm working with my clients and I should be clear about what I do with clients, most of the time I'm helping them create a brand strategy in terms of matching, really solidifying what their message is and creating a message architecture and then writing copy for them that is hinged on story-based messaging. And so the way that I always start is, okay, let's sit down. Let's talk one-on-one -on -one about how you see your business, about how you see your goals but then the second step is always then to step outside of their business. Because here's the thing. We are so entrenched in our own businesses that it's impossible to see them as our audience does. It's impossible. I don't care who I'm talking to and how strongly you feel about how you see your business. You just can't. You're an expert. And so I do several things to be able to get a good sense of how your business reputation shows up, what people think of you as doing. So even, even things like how do people describe what you do mm. and what value you bring uh, compared to your competitors. And I think I should just note there are some people who have pushed back and said, well, like, I don't pay attention to my competitors. That's great, but your customers are always comparing you to someone. Whether or not that is someone that you consider to be your competitor or someone that you're not. And it's actually more important to know if it's not someone specifically in your industry. So you brought up photographer, you might think your only competitor is another photographer that does the type of work that you do, but it could also be a digital marketing agency. Yes. It could also be a branding agency. So it's important to know who your customers are comparing you to in their mind. So I do this several ways. And I think there's an, an easy place to start, which we can get to if you're interested in that. But one way I do this is I look at review sites, which is an easy place to start. And I bring all of the reviews into one document. And the reason I do that, I'm doing that for a client right now, 14 pages of reviews, is because I am looking for specific themes in the way that people talk about why they love the business. And this is the positive angle, right? Nobody, well, <laughs> not always, I, I should say not always, but with my clients, because I typically work with clients who are sort of the hidden gems of their industry. So I'm looking for themes. I'm looking for words that people are using again and again. For instance, with this current client that I'm working with, she does therapeutic and sports massage. So she wants to, her goal is to position herself narrowly like that. And so I've got to know, well, do people talk about that type of, do they use the word sports massage? Do they use the word medical massage? If not, what words are they using? What I found, they're using the word pain. They're using the words, getting my body working like it should. And so this is a mm. really great practice in putting yourself in your customer's seat and 
that helps you write copy, that helps you with your marketing, that helps you reach people that you want to reach. The other thing that I do is I interview customers. And what that means is I'll sit down with a business owner and I'll say, give me three to eight customers that you've worked with that I can just chat with for 10 to 20 minutes. And I ask specific questions about the brand based on the goals. So if I'm working with somebody who's going through a rebrand, I really dig into what are your thoughts about how their brand represents what you love them for? Um, What are some words that come to mind when I say the business name? Why did you choose them over others? What's something that you would want to tell a prospective customer who's considering working with them if you could talk to them face-to-face right now? And if I'm doing something more focused on updating their message, I get really nitty gritty. Sometimes I'll even throw out a potential concept and just see what they have to say about it. It's all about testing. But the important thing is when I present this back to my client, when I'm using actual quotes that their customers have used, I have never had someone who isn't surprised in a good way most of the time, but it's just reframing how your business is perceived because again, we just can't see ourselves outside of our business because we built this ourselves and we have a very strong perspective about how we do want to show up in the world. You know, it makes me think about um, (laughs) a couple of clients that I've had in the past, but you're reiterating the fact that this work is best done by a third party. Because when I think of some of the things that I've seen over the years where it's the owner or it's the manager of a particular location, if this is a brick and mortar business with multiple facilities, conducting this research, you may get very different answers than someone else who technically is not a part of the brand. And I think that that's powerful for people to hear that you are asking such specific questions, but you're also like experimenting possibly with new concepts and new service offerings that they may have too. I think you're exactly right. And here's why I get different information than a business owner does. So I'll start with the pushback that I sometimes get from my clients who say, we already know our customers or we already have feedback because we have a survey that we send out. Let's start with the survey response. Typically, when small businesses are sending out a survey, what I see is they're actually sending out a request for testimonials. And testimonials and feedback are two different requests. And that's important because when you're on the receiving end of that, you don't, if you were happy with the engagement, you, you want to share that happiness, right? You don't necessarily want to cloud that with, but here's what could be improved. So you as the business owner need to be really clear if you have a survey about giving people permission to be open and honest because you really want to improve. If you're not going to use that information to change things, then just ask them for a testimonial, right? <laughs> uh, but be clear about it. Because this links to any time that you're asking them for feedback, there is always the sense we're humans. And especially if you are a service-based business who works with your clients rather than selling a product, there is this fear that when we give feedback that is less than stellar, it's going to impact the relationship that we have with someone. And so we want to protect that at all costs. And so the thing that I've found is when I'm coming in as an objective third party, and I should mention in my script, I always start with, I want you to know that this conversation is confidential. What that means is I may use quotes and themes from our conversation in my report back to my client, but in no way will your name be attributed to any quote. And I think that just gives people the permission 
to speak their truth. And still in a very loving way, because what I experience is still the people that I'm interviewing say, I mean, she's great. She's wonderful. I love her so much, but, and then they go on to give, (laughs) you know, a recommendation. But I think we just have to remember that we're humans. And even if you're giving someone permission to give you constructive criticism, we're still worried about how that's going to be received. And honestly, not everybody receives feedback well. We know that. (laughs) And so that's what causes the filter. You know, it's interesting. Um, (laughs) I can see some areas where even our feedback surveys have evolved. Uh, Do you think that it's important that when people are conducting their own surveys as part of like their offboarding process to leave room for the person to be anonymous? You know, so again, it gets back to, do you want to use this for a testimonial or not? What I have done in my feedback survey is I ask the questions and then the last question is optional. And it says, would you, um, would you be something like, would you be comfortable with me sharing your a testimonial based on your experience. And then if they say yes, then it gives them an option to put their name and actually write a testimonial in the box. So there's a very clear line between this is all feedback and if you want to put your name and add a testimonial. So that's one way that you can do that. I do want to mention though that there's a way that you can be collecting feedback without just sending a survey. So I actually have my own podcast, which um, perhaps we can talk about at the end of the episode, but one episode that I've been outlining is how to track feedback that you're getting from clients along the way. So that includes things like taking note of when somebody inquires what language they're using to inquire, taking note of throughout the process, what are some emails that they're sending that stand out, that give you that rich information about what they're enjoying or what they expected. Taking note of highlights from that client survey, right? Because you're getting feedback along the way. I think sometimes we just assume we're going to remember it. And then when we go back to think about, all right, what should I be writing here? Our minds go blank. That's major. Uh, I can relate to that one firsthand. Uh, My memory is garbage. If I don't write it down, it's forgotten. So you just have to create like a system so that you don't have to rely on memory. Uh, One of the things that comes to mind from what you just said is like sales calls are you listening to the language that the person is using when they're talking to you on a sales call as well? That's part of your (laughs) onboarding process. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot to mention that's an important column in that list that I just mentioned. So thank you for reading my brain there. (laughs) You're welcome. But that's huge. Like I've looked at clients of ours and then also our own clients as well um, and how they're facilitating sales calls. Um, And then also what information they're taking away from it, whether someone purchases or not. But I think that's huge to see where the language may be different from someone who actually does become a client versus someone who doesn't. You've got it exactly right. Because the point of this feedback is to track patterns. And the other piece that I think is golden about what you just mentioned with sales calls I'm amazed by how many people don't take notes on sales calls. And one of the things that I've gotten feedback on, because my process is sales call, then I follow up with a proposal so that they have it in writing. One of the things I've gotten feedback from two clients in the past month is, oh my gosh, how do you turn around these proposals so quickly? Like they're exactly what I want my customers to see and feel. Well, it's easy. I take notes during the sales call and then I reflect that back to them in a proposal. I mean, it's not rocket science, but it does, 
it's harder to reflect that back if you just have the general sense of, oh yeah, she or he would be a great fit, right? If you have the specific language with what they're saying, and I'll, I'll try to not talk in theoretical terms, but more specific. If somebody is saying, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. And I get all up in my head because I'm a solopreneur. And I just know that if I had a more solid message, I could reach more people because I would be more comfortable putting myself out there. Perhaps that's mm -hmm. what they're saying on a sales call. Well, I would then go to my proposal and I have an overview section before I get into what I'm proposing. And I say, you know, you've done so much all on your own in the past three years of building your business. Now is the time to let your messaging do some of the sales work for you. Once we have your core message architecture in place, you'll be able to pull from that. So every time you go to work on a marketing campaign, you aren't having to start over and imagine it again. So you can see how I'm using <laughs> exactly what they told me and then just reframing it in a way where I'm saying, yes, this is going to get you there. That's absolutely powerful because I can guarantee you that many people are not thinking of this in that way. And you, you use one of my phrases, it's not rocket science, <laughs> but <laughs> I think sometimes it's easy, like when you do something as your career and you have a background or education or years of experience in it, like it can come a lot more naturally for us to think in this way than it does for someone who doesn't. So I also want them to hear that like you have a system for this, even for yourself, you know, and you can create one for that with the right help and the right tools and the right process. Well, absolutely. And the other thing, India, is I'm going to get a little ranty here. So I apologize <laughs> in advance. I think it's great that there is more information available to us than ever. I think it's wonderful. At the same time, I think that all of the freebies and the webinars and the workshops and the courses and all these things tend to overcomplicate things in a way that they don't have to be overcomplicated. And so one of the questions that I actually have on a post-it on my computer, and it's been there for about four months, is what would it look like if this were easy? Ooh, I love it. So yes, I actually really do believe in having systems in place for sure. Find what works and then do that again and again. And yet, sometimes there's an easier solution. And so just allowing yourself to do those things that feel easy and still see the value in them is really important when there's a lot of chatter out there telling you that you have to follow this 10 step system for it to work. You know, what's funny is it makes me think about essentialism and minimalism. And I don't know if we've talked about that here in the podcast yet, because the podcast is still kind of new, but I think that people can see these things as like not wanting to have a lot of things or like pare down your life to nothing. <laughs> but really the whole point of it is ease and simplicity Yes, um, and not overcomplicating things. Life doesn't have to be complicated. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I feel like sometimes clients can tell that when like we've made things more complex than they need to be. And that's not always a good thing to like throw all the extra freebies and things in the kitchen sink in their service. Cause then that can lead to overwhelm. Well, totally. <laughs> That's a lesson that I had to learn really the hard way. I used to think if I was going to raise my prices, I had to add all this other stuff in. And what I started noticing, particularly within the last six to nine months, Ooh, this was a hard lesson. It's actually really hard for me to admit because I, I, I have like an academic brain. I worked in academia for a long time where I was taught you have to work really hard and it has to be really high level for it to be valuable. So what I realized as I was working with clients and I thought I was adding more value, I was confusing them. Mm. 
and I was making it harder for them to feel good about their decisions. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, oh, man, like, <laughs> this is not what I want to do. And it's the same thing, honestly, with my podcast. I think you can make correlations in so many different areas of your business and life. But I used to think the longer the podcast, the more valuable it is. So it has to be an hour. And then I started realizing, hmm, actually, my job is to help them get this information quicker and with more ease than they have before. If it doesn't require an hour, that's actually valuable. And so it's allowing myself to really believe that more value doesn't actually equate to more all the time. I don't know if you've experienced this at all, but it's a huge aha moment for me recently where I've had to actively work on my first initial reaction versus bringing myself back in and being like, okay, but actually they're busy. They're hiring me because they don't want to take the time to figure it out. How can I make this as clear and easy as possible for them? Can I throw in a hashtag facts? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, it's true that especially when you're somebody that really cares about your clients, you can want to give them the world. And that's amazing that your heart is in the right place, but sometimes giving them more things or more time or the longer podcast episode actually can overwhelm them and feel like it's less on their end. I heard somebody yesterday give an example of someone who built an entire group program just on Voxer and charged a lot mm. for it. And at first I was like, who in their right mind would pay a thousand, multiple thousands of dollars to just be in a group with people on Voxer? But it's easy to connect with people. It's easy to correct in the moment what you're thinking or doing. And she set her, her program up in a way that it worked. And so it it could have been very easy for her to think if I'm going to have a group program, especially with women from all across the country, all across the world, I need to have this online portal. So I need this software that I can build out so that they can easily log in. And then I need customer support so that if somebody forgets their login, all, all the things, right? Oh my gosh. I instantly just went into no, no, no. I don't want one more <laughs> login as the customer. <laughs> Right. But how often do we think what is the most simplistic approach that's going to get me the result that I want? It's just not natural for most of us in our culture that tells us you have to be innovative to be valuable. You know, uh, I feel like you're reading my mind. A, um, <laughs> we use Foxer. We love it. It's so simple. And you know, you're right 100% that clients, they want the result and they want it in the fastest, most simple way possible. And they want it to be lasting. And sometimes that's not some overcomplicated system. It's not one more login, one more platform that maybe they don't even like. Like I see a lot of people flocking to starting Facebook groups and things like that. And that's right for certain business models. That's right for certain audiences, but you have to know your client to know, do they even like Facebook? If you haven't asked that question, then you may be building an entire community, whether it's a, a weight loss community or a business um, community for people who want to see themselves as CEOs and leaders on a platform that they absolutely hate and don't want to log into anymore. Mm -hmm. And this is why I think it's so important for going back to what we were saying before, doing that customer research, because you can be building a foundation in your business on something that doesn't actually resonate with your ideal client. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Hands down with everything that you just said. So I'm curious to know, like, how do you use the information that you're finding with your clients as you're starting to interview them, 
their past clientele, their past customers. Um, and as you're starting to look at as well, like the surveys and feedback that you've seen online, whether it's Google or their in-house ones, what does that change in their business? And like, how do they apply this information? Yeah, you know, this is something that I struggled with a little bit because I was framing my services and my brand all under the umbrella of brand strategist. Mm -hmm. And in reality, yes, I was getting a lot of great insight from these conversations, from looking at competitor sites. That's one thing that I didn't mention. I also comb competitor sites for the type of language that they're using the type of person that they are trying to attract and what their reviews say. So I'm getting a 360 view of your business from you, the business owner, your competitors, and your customers. And at first I thought, well, you know, we'll have great insight on what makes you different. So your unique differentiators and your value proposition, but also we'll use this language to build out messaging that's on point. What I started finding is there was so much more to the insights than that. There were lessons on pricing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't argue if I'm looking at somebody who offers the same service as you to the same people that you offer it to, and I have that information in a table and you are the lowest price there, that sends a message. So what do we want to do about that? You could talk about raising your prices all day, about fee or whatever, but here, here's, what's, here's what consumers see in the market. So we started having more conversations about raising prices. We had conversations about, okay, this is how you're currently working with your customers, but they think these things could improve the experience. So there were lessons for customer experience. There are so many lessons that you can use for improving the way that you show up and serve your clients and let other people know about that. And that's my goal, right? It's not to just change things to change them, but let's take the things that are working and let's amplify those. And so I think it's a really, I should mention, doing this work is deep work. One of my other clients recently mentioned to me that it was like handing over the keys to his business. Wow. And he doesn't let anybody drive his car. Like, why would he let anybody <laughs> drive his business? But realizing that sometimes you just don't have the perspective to be able to do this. And I'm not saying you need to hire someone to do this. You can start today with that simple tracking system and just being more curious. I would say if there's one tip that I could give to anyone listening, be curious without being fearful. You don't I have to, that. yeah, you don't have to blow up your business just because you learned something. You can make small changes. I love that. I think that curiosity is incredibly important. And I think it leaves us in a place where we're open-minded because one of some of the things that I heard you say um, really make me think about being closed, not open to new ideas, not open to hearing what the customer has to say because we feel like we already know we have their surveys, right? You know, and these are areas that can keep us stuck where we are. Um, and we both know, right? You don't do the same things that you've done to get to where you are to get to where you want to be. Right. So it takes a certain level of openness. And as you say, curiosity, I think curiosity is huge. And it can also go into, in the interim, how you're starting to shift your messaging, how you're starting to show up at in-person events. It can leave you in a place where you're able to look at things as an experiment almost and have fun with it and not take it so seriously or to heart or be closed-minded. <laughs> fun is really important because when you feel like you're just pushing your way through every day and you have to do these things, you're not going to want to do them and they're not going to be sustainable. So I found this idea of fun really valuable 
as I think, I mean, I've been making just to be totally transparent, huge shifts in my business and I'm a solopreneur. I don't have a team. When you hire me, you're working with me. And so what that means is some of the other tasks that I have to do, I have to make them fun or else a one hour task can can take three to four hours. And I just do not have time for that. So (laughs) approaching, I mean, this is your world, but like approaching an Instagram post rather than just feeling like I have to post, getting playful with it. Like, hmm, what could be what could be a quirky way of doing this? What could be like a fun and interesting different approach that I could talk about this topic? And that has, oh, it's made life so much easier. I'm so glad to hear that because I think that people can tell themselves that they should, they should all over themselves. I should be doing it this way or this was the formula that everyone else uses. And it's like, no, at the end of the day, if you are not doing things in a way that feels good for you, which in this case, we're talking about fun, but maybe what feels good for you might be peaceful or might be relaxing or some other positive emotion. You know, your audience can feel that. And I, I'm going a little bit woo, but I feel like that energy goes into the end product, whether it's a caption, a video, people can feel it. So it's all about finding a way to do things that feels good for you to do. So that way you can be consistent with it, even when you're having like a rough day or kids have gotten sick or life has just gotten busy. (laughs) I agree. Because these things happen too. Yes, life happens. (laughs) Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add to this conversation of basically being able to view your business from the customer's perspective for our audience? I would just say, don't be fearful about what you're going to hear. Because by and large, people that I interview have really good things to say about a business. But if you don't have the information, if you don't have the full picture, keeping your head in the sand is not going to move you forward. And I think that applies to any kind of feedback from asking someone directly for feedback to a client survey to even sending a reminder, hey, I sent this request about a client survey. I just wanted to get this to the top of your inbox um, and here's how I'm gonna use it. People that I have worked with are fearful to send that reminder because it feels too selfish, too um, forceful, whatever, whatever qualifiers you're putting on that I would just encourage you to drop that because people like sharing their experience, especially when it's been a positive one. So if you have positive relationships with your clients and customers, just trust that they want to help you. And sometimes that means getting real with you on things that they want to see change because those have the potential to move your business forward. Mm, I think that's a powerful tip. Because I know that fear can really come into play when we're getting an honest opinion. And I think it's important that you use the word trust. You have to have trust. And we have someone in common um, that we talked about here on the podcast before, but Tara Newman, um, who is a business coach. And I'm not sure if this is exactly how she words it, but she uses the phrase, it's just data. You know, if you can look at the feedback as data (laughs) and apply that data into your business, it takes the heavy emotions that can come with it away. Yeah, I really enjoy that. So I love asking our guests, um, what is one thing that has helped you flaunt your fire? Because I think that's huge is that a lot of our listeners are wanting to step into a place of being more of themselves online, in person, and really just flaunting what makes them different. And what I am hearing is that you are helping your clients do this in their business. So I'm curious to know what has personally helped you flaunt your fire. I love this question so hard. And (laughs) I'm going to try to answer it succinctly, but I want to do so with a bit of a story. So In my business, I have been a business owner for seven years. And until 2019, 
late 2019, I was balancing a day job, a growing family, and my business. And I felt like I had multiple identities. And I was scared about the way that I showed up as a career professional because I was worried about how my clients might view that. I was worried about sharing my business wins because I was scared that my day job people would find out about that. Mm. And so when I was able to make the decision to go into my business full-time and fully embody what my identity was, and then this is a recent, recent lesson that I've learned that I'm constantly working on, recognizing that I am not my business, but the story that worked for me when I was in my, in my career, which was a lot of, you're not patient enough, you ask too many questions, you're too direct, all of these two, two, twos, hmm. those are the things that people actually are coming to me for in my business. And fully owning that has been game-changing because there is an audience for everyone. And knowing that just as I am, not trying to be someone else, not trying to sound differently, I'm going to attract the right people. And just as a great example, I'm an extrovert. I tend to come across as direct, but in a very empathetic way. I work with a lot of introverts who don't feel as naturally inclined to talk about themselves and their business. They want somebody that can lead them. They don't want somebody who's going to be passive or pensive. So just really recognizing that some of that feedback that I had carried with me for so long, I had to let that go to totally show up with my visibility and to flaunt my fire. I love that you just shared that. I think so many people listening can relate, especially as a female and using the words too. I think that women can be told that we are too much or too little of something a lot. And it makes me so proud and excited to hear you say that, you know what? I am to this and I'm going to own it. Yeah. And there's somebody out there that's going to love it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's taken a while. I just want to point that out. It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> <laughs> and that's important too. This is constant ongoing work and it takes time to step into that place. Um, Cause I do think that people can hear these things on the podcast and think, well, I'm not there yet. And it's like, if you work at it every day to fully start to accept who you are and show up as that and not really worry so much about what people think, then eventually you will get to a place where that feels more comfortable to do. For sure. I am so glad you were able to join us on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Powerful conversation. Very powerful. <laughs> and just so everybody knows, we talked about first impressions. I did not make a good first impression with India. So I, <laughs> I, I had to cancel the first couple calls that we had scheduled. And I knew that she was like, who is this girl? So thank you for giving me a second chance. And it's just been such a blessing to be able to get to know you and also hear your message because even though I'm an extrovert, even though I've talked about like really owning who I am, I need the constant reminder to show up. I need that permission slip. And I feel like having you in my life, having following you on Instagram, um, it just helps me remind myself. So thank you for what you're doing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Kim. And a note to you guys listening, like, yes, your first impression is hard to change, but once we actually started chatting with each other, I'm like, this woman's freaking awesome. So <laughs> your first impression probably wasn't as bad as you think. <laughs> well, I gave you an opportunity to love me and I loved back. <laughs> so, so here we are. <laughs> Where would you like our listeners to be able to keep in touch with you? Yes. Yeah, so I mentioned I have a podcast, which is called Pattern of Purpose. And if you're listening to this, you can probably find it on whatever platform you are on. 
You can also find me on Instagram at pattern underscore of purpose. And I have some exciting news. Uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, I will have a new website, which I've oh my been working gosh. on for seven, <laughs> seven to eight months. So I'm just really excited about getting that out into the world um, to truly embody where I am with my business and who I work with. So check it out when you get a chance. That is super exciting. And I want to note that Kim is a brand strategist. She does a completely different side of brand strategy than us. So you guys have to go check her out online. Look at the website. Um, she's all about the research and about the messaging and full transparency. I absolutely despise writing. So take a look, gently stalk her writing, stock her copywriting, and take a look at some of her clients because she does a great job at helping people get to the heart of their messaging. Thank you for that. I really enjoyed this conversation. And if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, you know, I realize I have not really audited my business from the outsider's perspective or the testimonials and feedback that I'm getting are all positive. So I have no idea what my reputation actually is right now um, from the outside looking in. And you'd like to explore that. I'd be more than happy to help. If you are listening to this and you're like, crap, I picked colors that I liked, but I don't know anything about color psychology to know what is going to attract the kind of human that I want and enjoy the working with the most. If you are listening to this and you haven't updated your logo or your website or your business cards or any of your other touch points, your photos in a while, and when you did, they weren't necessarily done with the traction marketing in mind. I would love to offer you a free consultation, one-on-one, -on -one, just you and me, private conversation between us two to figure out some next steps for you because your reputation is everything and it is the first step in figuring out what we need to do to evolve your brand, to be a brand that actually is true to the kind of person that you want to serve and not just the fact that you want to serve them, but they're who you can get the most results with. They're who you and your team have the most passion being able to support because I know most of you listening here created your own company because you didn't want to punch a clock anymore that you hated coming to work for. You wanted to create something that was bigger than yourself that could actually change the world with the service you provide. And I've gotten to know many of you personally really well to see that you are changing lives. You are helping people and some small tweaks can get you more of those people that you can help the most. Okay. So if that sounds like something you'd love to do, you can head over to fauntyourfire.com and book that free consultation, or you can check out the show notes. There will be a link for that there as well. And I am super excited to share with you that we have some really cool things coming up. So we have some in-person events going on. If you visit uh, flauntyourfire.com, there's an events page. You can check that out. One of the first ones we have coming up um, is actually a Pause in the Play remix party. And you can RSVP for that by going to pauseintheplay.com slash events. And it's really going to be a fun networking party. We're only taking about 30 people, so it's going to be intimate. And business owners in the Baltimore, Washington area are welcome to come and join us and really just kind of unwind and network to music and snacks. And did you hear me say it's free? It's a free networking party. So if you're in the Baltimore or D.C. area or if you are willing to come to the Baltimore, D.C. area, you want to head over to Pause in the Play. I'll put the link in the show notes and RSVP ASAP, like do that today for our party. Um, also, I have Alt Summit coming up. After Alt Summit, I'll be at the Arnold Classic Fitness Festival. So there's lots of really cool in-person things happening in motion around here. And we have some cool guests coming up for the podcast too. So I'm going to be inviting and in some people from sociology and psychology backgrounds to be talking about what it looks like to build community, um, what it looks like to have a safe environment where people feel comfortable feeling vulnerable, and really just how to transition from having an audience or listeners to actually having real meaningful relationships. We have some things coming up where we're going to be talking about the science behind certain mindsets like shame and guilt. 
there's going to be a lot of really cool value being provided here on the podcast. So definitely stay tuned. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review for us and share it with a friend. All right. I will see you on the next episode. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?